I'm uh, specifically disobeying the directions on the can by pouring. Uh, I know what that is. By pouring it into a glass. Look out for chunks. Hello, friend. Welcome to the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, Chris Schreier, and my good friend, Miss Mandy. I always almost say more. I don't know why. I do know why, but I don't know why it only happens with you. I think I've said this before, too. Your name is not Mandy Moore. It's Mandy Murphy. How are you doing tonight, Mandy Not Moore? I'm great, Chris. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. A little chaotic and... uh, and yeah, just just trying to trying to settle my mind down for a nice chat about beer. It, actually, well, I don't want to show I don't want to show our hand. It might not be a nice chat, but it's going to be fun talking to you about what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, I think so too. I actually have a a curveball topic for you as well if we have time for it. Whoa, that's cool. And I have a topic that's not <clears throat> going to happen tonight, but I think it's something that we're going to need to touch on coming up. And it might end up figuring into the conversation somehow tonight. But I think as a topic, it'll be for a later, later episode. But before we get to the juicy, good details of tonight's podcast, let's talk about what's imminently important, which is what was that you just opened? And the clues are all there on the table. Oh, beer fan of Ontario. Uh, if you are a follower of what's in the States, Mandy just opened a can and defiantly poured it into a glass, was not going to drink it from a can. Mandy, what are you drinking? Well, speaking of juicy, um, yeah, I, I was given a, a can of Hetty Topper from Vermont, my friends at The Alchemist, yep. um, for my birthday, and some time has passed, so I don't want to leave it sitting around too, too long, uh, and I've been... Uh, Hoping to drink it during a podcast, so poured it into a glass, as you said, defiantly. Um, looks pretty cloudy. As would, it should. As it should, uh, but it tastes great. I have only had Hetty Topper once, and it was in your basement with Mark. Oh, ages ago. Like light years, it feels like. Yep. <clears throat> I was looking through some photos i can't remember why but anyway i was digging through i've got like literally hundreds of gigabytes of photos on my computer and was digging through and found some photos from the brumance uh uh, vintage including the old left field chalkboard with what was on top out of the uh the draft fridge that day (laughs) and it was around then we were drinking some heady that you guys got in vermont yourselves i believe we did yeah this uh can I'm drinking right now. I'm trying to find a date on it. I can't. It was purchased over the Christmas holidays, so pretty fresh and pretty it, new. It but does it, not sit at the brewery long. No, and actually this was hidden and tucked away in a place that no one would ever be able to find it. Otherwise, it'd be long gone. You can't leave know. this kind of stuff sitting around, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I can't find a date on it, but I know it's pretty fresh. And it. what I mean to say is that it, it just really lives up to the, uh, the memory. Because, you know, sometimes... With a beer, you can have a really fond memory of it that might be tied to your experience having the beer and actually less so about mm-hmm. the beer itself. Um, mm-hmm. You maybe have like you have a better memory of that beer because of the, the overall atmosphere or situation 
that makes you think fondly of that beer. You thought it probably tasted great, but you really don't remember the taste all that much. That This is not one of those instances. This really tastes awesome. That's fantastic. Love it. I actually, I want to, as an aside, say I got into a little conversation, a good conversation with uh, Eric over on the um, Toronto GTA Brews. It's a homebrewing uh, page on Facebook. And uh, Eric and I actually live near to each other and shop at the same Loblaws. And we were both just reveling in the joy of the freshness of some of the beers we're pulling in at Loblaws. His, his go-to uh, can of beer is the Headstock IPA from, uh, from Nickelbrook. Mine, of course, as everybody knows who listens to this podcast, is Bone Shaker. And uh, I'd mentioned, I don't think I've had a can of Bone Shaker from the Loblaws at VP and Gerard that's older than 10 days old. Holy uh, smokes. Really? I know. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. I know. It's super, super fresh. It's great. The beer I'm drinking, a little bit less fresh. Going to take a look here and see if we got a date. Uh, kind of hard to say. Might be on the bottle somewhere. But uh, anyway, picked this up when I was down in Buffalo. Uh, I guess that was last week, two weeks ago. But it is a Ballast Point Habanero Sculpin. So this one is new to me. Ooh. I've never had the Habanero Sculpin. But India Pale Ale with habanero peppers added. Notes heat may vary. And I am about to have my first, uh, well, sniff and then sip. I mean, it smells like sculpin. Don't really get too much pepper on the nose. Maybe a little, but that could also be just the suggestibility of my brain. But here we go. <laughs> Holy shit, that's pretty hot. <laughs> Okay, I want to do a little experiment. Um, rate yep. the rate the level of heat uh, for just for you personally on the beer now, and then as you approach the bottom of the glass, I'm assuming you've poured it into a glass. Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, as you approach the bottom of the glass, let's check in again, and I want you to rate the level of heat because I have a theory about heat in beverages. Okay, I will do that. I'm also <laughs> gonna do something here. I think. Eric, are you there? Hey, come here for a minute. You're gonna be on the podcast. I got something that'll clear your nose out. Okay. You have to lean into the mic and have a sip of this. Don't look at the label. This is my wife, Erica, everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, close your nose for sure. Spicy. Woo! Okay, Erica said <laughs> spicy. Out of 10, give me a number. Uh, what am I judging? Okay, it's a beer. It's a, a habanero IPA. Okay, so let's say... Um, Tabasco is going to be a 10. So that's not super hot. Sculpin Habanero is... Lean in. Uh, like a three? No, what? <laughs> I don't know. It's not Tabasco sauce. All right. Erica thinks it's a three of 10 with Tabasco being a 10 and a zero being a water. All right. Maybe I'm just a wuss. <laughs> hmm. Thanks what? for coming, babe. What's your rating? Uh, What's your rating, Chris? I mean, I would have put it hotter than that <laughs> um if if tens tabasco i would have clocked it easily at a six myself Ooh. but it's pretty spicy like it's not hot sauce but it's pretty spicy okay well don't forget let's check in when you're when you're approaching the bottom of the glass 
I will let you know when that's happening and uh, and we'll go from there. Uh, so, yeah, went down to Buffalo, though, picked up this actually because of the dollar whew, and what Christmas nice. has a tendency to do to the old bank account. Um, I picked up a six pack of bottles, of course, at Premier Gourmet. Lovely stuff. And my buddy Josh grabbed a growler from Community Beer Works. And uh, so that, that was pretty much all we could afford because bloody hell, 68 cents on the dollar or something. But uh, we had a fantastic time. Community Beer Works, amazing. Great interview with Rudy is going to be coming up on Sight Glass videos, I would guess, in the next probably two to three weeks. We didn't get to Resurgence. Do we talk about this? No, we haven't yet. Yeah. I think you and I have talked about it, right? Uh, no, we covered some of it last week. I'd already been to Buffalo last time. Uh-huh. Really? Uh, I think so. Hmm. Maybe not. Strange. I don't know. Now I'm second-guessing myself. I yeah. am too now. This is probably going to get cut, but just in case it doesn't, didn't get to resurgence because they don't open until four. And that's the thing. I feel like I said that to you already. Yeah, but we did this. I feel like we did this. Yep. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> internet. This is clearly the internet's fault. Uh, okay. Moving along. We then. don't Moving need, right along. We don't need to remember anything these days, Chris. I know. The computer remembers it for you. Exactly why we have such terrible memories I and mean, they're only going to get worse what is our memories as humans <laughs> <laughs> oh dad jokes rick mandy night funny oh it's so much fun it's so easy yep okay let's before we get to the really juicy issue i don't know i was going to bring up something just to talk about just to rant about but i don't know how much you're going to rant about it but we're going to give it a try have you heard this about why patty's Yurt isn't up. Yeah, I've heard this story. Do, do you feel a lot of sympathy to this story? Yeah, I do. Yeah. If you're listening at home, you don't know. Patty McMurray, uh, owner, proprietor of the Cayley Cottage, uh, Leslieville. Sort of roughly a neighbor to you guys. We've walked from the brewery to Cayley before. Or it, it's so close. It, if you consider Leslieville to be queen street east between like the beach and riverside and uh, then they would be probably our closest neighbor because they're the closest place on like queen street to us or at least one of them if you walk directly south from the brewery if there were no homes or parks or anything and you went mm -hmm. straight south you would be at the kaylee cottage mm -hmm. so anyway patty very known for uh has a nice patio out front patty has a patio oh great jokes but anyway oh, and bad tonight chris oh it is it's terrible um that's <laughs> gonna make a patio lantern joke but anyway oh. um <laughs> for the past couple of years patty uh has been erecting a yurt which is a i believe mongolian um yeah, traditional right. dwelling and uh they're they're semi-portable is the idea you can uh you know an an accomplished yurt erector will be able to pop one up and I think it's about four or five hours. So for a semi-nomadic culture, which the Mongolians were, very handy to be able to take your house with you. Uh, the beautiful thing with patties is they're known to be quite warm and they have normally a, a fireplace in the middle, has had a nice wood-burning stove, and it was arguably the nicest place to drink a beer in the city in the months from November till I guess it was probably about april when he would take it down end of march april just warm and dark and candlelit and there was a neat little record player in there and you could put on your own music and stuff it was just fantastic and 
As you do, he's having a spot of bother with the landlord. The landlord does not like the yurt for reasons not made entirely clear. And uh, everyone's going to bat for Patty, but uh, no joy this year. So the yurt is actually at uh, the Brickworks, I believe. Is that right? At Cafe Belong? That's right, yeah. So you can still go to the yurt, have a beer in the yurt, have some really nice food in the yurt um, at Cafe Belong. But it is not in our stomping grounds. And I must say, I dearly dearly miss it uh, i would normally at this point issue a call to arms but there's no arms to be called to because everyone from the city to the politicians to everybody except the landlord is on board and loves the yurt but unfortunately in the interest of keeping the peace patty has foregone the yurt this year and i am sad about it i'm sad about it too chris it's uh we love the yurt dinners that they host so Usually there's like a multi-course dinner that they have, or they have a few of them throughout the season. It's a series. Uh, and you, other, like different breweries or um, distilleries or whatever will come in and have pairings with every course through the dinner. And the brewmaster or the master distiller will get up and talk. And we really, we've done them and we've attended them as well. And we really enjoy them. So it's kind of a shame that that won't be happening. But just as a local cozy spot to go in the winter and have a beer, sad that it doesn't exist. Uh, this year, I, I haven't been up to the, the Brickworks to check it out, but I'm sure the atmosphere just wouldn't be quite the same. It's kind of sad for the neighborhood just to not be able to drive down Queen Street and see the yurt there on the, the lovely Kaylee patio. Um, so it's a sad thing, but I would say if there is a call to arms, it would be head down to the Kaylee Cottage and give them some support if you're in the east or if you're venturing east. Because um, without those extra 40 or 50 seats on the patio through the winter... Obviously, their business is going to struggle a little. There's not a lot of space in the inside the cottage, so help them out if you can. We were down there with a pretty large group on Saturday night. It was a lot of fun. That is a totally good and, and accurate call to arms. You're absolutely right. Uh, love the Kaylee Cottage. It's just just fantastic. Let's get Let's get to this. I just saw a tweet pop up on Twitter here. Uh, it's gold. It's from our friend Robin uh, <clears throat> LeBlanc. LeBlanc. I don't know how you, if you A that A, but anyway, uh, says, so I guess the brewery district folks have learned that sounds cool. Let's talk more. Doesn't mean I am so in. Use my name in everything. Do you want to intro this? I actually like her more subtle uh, tweet from earlier in the day, Chris. Hey guys, I'm starting a beer writers association and including most of you on the release is on. Uh, including most of you on the release that it's on, it's going out in five minutes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to let you intro it and I'll jump in with some opinions. I just feel like I would probably mess it up. Great, great articles. Started in Mom and Hops, I think yesterday. Blog TO picked it up today. Surprised that it isn't on the evening news at this point. The official headline... It's got the word official right in it. I wish I'd known that before I used the word. Official <laughs> Toronto Brewery District... In the works, blog to Toronto might get a brewery district. Beer lovers rejoice. It's actually right there in the first sentence. The efforts of 13 local breweries and one city councillor, Toronto, could be getting a brewery district. And basically what they're saying is um, somebody has kind of pulled together with Anna Bailau, who is the councillor for, does it say? I don't know. Anyway, the area in sort of junction-y, Parkdale-y area. 
and they want to declare this a brewery district. Uh, the idea being taken from the Niagara and Napa wine counties type thing, where it's sort of a touristic draw that it's a, you know, mapped out sort of easy to access center for in this case, brewing is the idea. The uh, brewery district would be more or less from Queen Street, Parkdale area up to the north part of the junction, because apparently, at least according to the press release, Reinhardt is in on that. I think uh, they would be the furthest north kind of ranging in that area, uh, sort of, yeah, High Park area over to Bathurst and from sort of St. Clary down to Queen which, of course, is a pretty big swath of space. And they say they've got 13 local breweries on board, which, as we're learning today, might have been a bit of an overstatement. Mandy? Yes. 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 I think you're looking for more from me than just yes. But uh, you summed Talk it up. Talk to me about the brewery You summed district. it up nicely. Where do I start? Uh, <laughs> Where do we start? Oy, oy, oy. I've got some great analogies How for this one. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know how to tackle this without sounding defensive or cranky. Uh, I'm gonna try to come off as neither, but I fear that I may fail. Um, how how did this happen, Chris? How does something like this come about? Uh, it's like on paper or for real? Just how how did we get here today to us talking about this? To this being something that's newsworthy. Rumor has it this is like a key topic for tomorrow's metro morning show on the cbc yeah how do how do we get here i don't understand how this came about it sounds like there was from what i've heard today it sounds like there were some very preliminary conversations people throwing ideas around like wouldn't it be cool if we did this um the organizers like maybe approaching some and saying would you be into doing this would you be on board uh and brewery saying maybe let's talk about it or uh Perhaps can I have some time to think about it? Uh, and then suddenly it's this is a newsworthy thing. Uh, are we that sad for beer news in on Ontario? Like what? I just don't know what's going on. I don't understand how this is a story and how this is something we're even talking about. It sounds like it was possibly one of the most premature beer stories um, to come about in the past year. And I, I guess... It's definitely the most premature beer story to come about this year so far. We're not even that far into the year. Absolutely. Uh, how did this territory get selected? Why are why are the six oldest breweries in the city not included in an an adventure to or in a I'm not explaining it correctly. How did the six oldest breweries in the city not get included in the city spending time and effort around promoting brewing in Toronto. Like, how, how is this something we're talking about? I don't understand. There's nothing wrong with the fact that a, a, a large number of the breweries that are listed as part of this group, uh, that they don't even exist yet. There's nothing wrong yeah. with the brewery not, not existing. I, I ran one for two years. Um, but this all seems just a little bit silly to me. Uh, yep. <laughs> yep. I I don't know what to say to that. It it's one of those oh, it's one of those things. The way it reads to me is one person 
is really kind of pushing this as a news story and got it written up about on what's mom and hops called now these days, Ontario beer network, beverage network, pardon me, Ontario beverage network. And as is their want, I don't know if this isn't a well-known factor, but I'm not a big fan of blog to and uh, blog to has a tendency to grab stories and just chuck them out there for, I guess, because they're hungry for stories. They want to keep content up and uh, damn the torpedoes. So I think that's kind of what happened. And then, yeah, just from there, like, boom, 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 boom. This is a real news story. Now, this is legitimate. This is a real thing. And a lot of people got caught pretty wrong footed by it. Um, I mean, to, to that end, I kind of agree with you. It's it's a strange thing to have been picked up on for sure. But I wanted to talk more about it as a concept because I think it's pretty dumb. Um, would you agree? Do you think this is something we need? Well, first of all, let's talk about it as a district. How is this a, a district? It's not like a circular area. It's not a walkable neighborhood. Look at the distance between the northwesternmost brewery, which is Reinhard, and the southeasternmost brewery, which is Bellwoods. Bellwoods is much closer. You could walk from Bellwoods to Steam Whistle and back to Bellwoods, and that would actually be less distance than from walking to Bellwoods to some of the other breweries that are in the district. So, and you could also have hit the Amsterdam brew house. And you there. could, yeah, you could head over to the Amsterdam brew house and you could do all kinds of interesting things when it comes to beer. Right. Yeah. Um, before you could walk from Bellwoods up to, to Reinhardt. So it's not, it's not a dense geographical grouping of breweries by any means. Yeah. Uh, and if some of these are included, then, then why are breweries like Great Lakes and, and Black Oak, not included because they would be just as close geographically to some of these than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, what happened to the the breweries who created a brewing scene here in this city? Where where are they, and why would they be excluded from something like this? I'm not even trying to say this like defensively as a brewery owner in the east end of the city, where the east end sort of gets treated like we we're we're Scarborough uh, when we're not like. Give, give me a break. This is a bit ridiculous when some of the the most important destinations for beer from a historical perspective in this city are completely forgotten and they're within very close walking distance and proximity. It just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Yeah. Um, it's not a circle on the map. It's not a specific neighborhood. It's not bound by major streets. And these are all sort of within that, that boundary. It's It just seems, feels really ambiguous, uh, yep. which is kind of frustrating and if this is something that the city does have interest in why would time and effort energy dollars be spent against promoting some breweries in the city and not others is this so if the vision for the city of toronto and 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 council is to make toronto a world-class beer city as they stated last summer how does this initiative help us get there I just don't feel like strategically it makes sense. Totally agree. Totally agree. Some tough questions. Here's some of my issues with it. For one, this is the equivalent of choosing your own nickname. Okay, you don't get to choose your own nickname. If you choose your own nickname, you get a really cool nickname. But 
it has no value. Nicknames are given to you. Districts like this happen organically. So you don't just decide one day, this is the district and we're going to call it that and we're going to market the hell out of it. Do you remember when they tried to nickname Toronto El Toro? <laughs> Do you remember this? I don't know. That's really funny. Yeah, though. they did. There was like a whole like there was like a submission process and they boiled it down to like five different nicknames and there was a voting process. It wasn't like now or something like that. It was decided upon. OK, Toronto <laughs> needs a nickname and it's going to be El Toro, which could conceivably have become Toronto's nickname if it had happened organically. Then, of course, Drake drops the six and it just sticks because that's how nicknames start. But so just deciding that this is a district doesn't work that way. The distillery district didn't become the distillery district because some people decided one day we're going to make a district about distilleries. It became it because there was a giant historical distillery there and all of the accoutrements that supported the, the distilling business. And the area just naturally became known as that. Right. The fashion district wasn't a marketing attempt. It was that that's where all the textile producers and 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 fashion shops were that area off Spadina. And so that became the fashion district. It's just it's ridiculous. It's so dumb. And then what's even worse is they talk about it and they relate it to like Niagara or Napa and, and about how that's like, you know, these are these areas. The, I'm, what are the exact words they use? I want to get this right. The original plan was simply to borrow from what had been done in wine country, very specifically what has happened in Napa and Niagara. Um, we have many different personalities and styles being represented, so it made sense. No, no, it doesn't. Because the reason why those places have gone out of their way to connect the dots between wineries is because they're not actually that close together. And you really do need to draw a map to bring them all into one spot. Probably the better example that no one brought up is the Whiskey Trail in Scotland, which is huge. It takes days to do it. I agree with you about the the geographical locations and like the need to draw out the map, but the reason those exist as re those areas exist as regions is climate based. And oh yeah, absolutely. The, the again, very literally organically done. Now in wineries, because they almost always have their own associated vineyards, they by nature are far apart because they have these giant vineyards between them. But still, the point is they're drawing this this comparison to like what they've done in Napa and Niagara and ignoring the whiskey trail, the famous whiskey trail in Scotland. But they're not reproducing it at all, as noted. OK, yeah, it's not a walk from Bellwoods to Reinhardt, but this is still just a tiny piece of a city that's highly travelable. And so to exclude huge chunks of it that are still within, you know, an hour and 20 minute transit ride is just ridiculous. It's so stupid. It just it smacks of like elitism and hipsterism. It's like, oh, like we're this cool brewing area. And yeah, your point, it didn't even occur to me to my shame that the oldest breweries have no representation. Bellwoods is the oldest brewery in that list, I think. And bless them, Bellwoods is only like five years old or something, right? Uh, yeah, like where, where is the granite? Where is Great Lakes? Where right. is Steam Whistle? Like, hell, where, like where is the only? What What is going on here? I don't, I don't, I just don't really get it. I don't understand why. I can't imagine the city would ever actually adopt this as anything. It feels like a bit of a, a push uh, for something that maybe we feel that won't actually ever even happen. And it's just meant to create some news buzz and get people like us talking about it. 
um, but probably intentionally in a more positive light than what we're, we're talking about right now. And I mean no harm to the folks who, who came up with this, but it just, it doesn't feel like the right thing to do for the city of Toronto when the, there are so many opportunities on the table for us to really turn Toronto into a great beer city. It, 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 there's just no point in excluding breweries or areas or, or regions. Like let's make a, let's make an ale trail, um, some kind of a beer map for the city and foster the idea of, of tours and traveling from brewery to brewery to brewery. And maybe it makes sense to have uh, suggested routes like the breweries that are accessible along the Bloor Danforth line or the breweries that are accessible along the young university Spadina line, or uh, these are the ones that are really accessible by walking trails that exist in the city, or these are the ones that are accessible by cycling trails in the city. But I just don't understand how these are, are grouped together and others are excluded from the the bunch. It feels very ambiguous. Yeah, I mean, I don't really love this whole thing from the get-go. I think it's a bit of a ridiculous... It's contrived, is what it comes down to. I feel like this is very contrived. And as you've noted, it just seems so unhealthy for the overall scene. And, and so unnecessary. We just... We already have so many good ways for people to connect to beer in the city. Doing this just seems like not quite redundant but like unnecessary i find it very unnecessary and frustrating i'm frustrated because of this i would agree i think the the city i've mentioned the city already and their resources and time and stuff but i need to reiterate if they if if our counselors are going to spend time fostering beer uh, for economic reasons craft beer for economic reasons in the city um they should look at at everybody that that's doing it and that that time and attention and energy and resources that that should be spread equally across um all breweries in the city and not across this very ambiguous um disconnected group of of breweries and i I get the sense just from some chatter in the industry today um that many of the breweries are actually quote-unquote included in the brewery district um, are not as on board as they've been made out to be uh, in this release. And I, I know there's a, a, some tension there, at least with a, a particular few. Some are requesting to, to not be named as being included, even though they have been in the launch. So um, it'll be interesting to see it play out. Hopefully it doesn't get too much more focus or, or time or attention, and we can really get back to, to what needs to be done. Yep, well said there. Well, well said. Getting back to doing things like going to the Cayley Cottage and having a tasty beer in the warmth of the cottage. So, Chris, if I said to you, hey, great idea, I want to take some of our spent grain, work with a local bakery <laughs> and make some dog biscuits and then yeah. sell them in my shop. Mm hmm. You'd be like, okay, that's a cool idea. I'm sure all the local neighborhood dogs that come by would enjoy those, right? Can't do that, Mandy. It's against the law. Yeah, really. Against the law. Yeah. It's nuts, yep. right? Um, what if I wanted to partner with the cheese shop around the corner Mm-mm. and and <laughs> what what and have them come in and sell some um, Ontario um, traditionally made cheeses, like yeah. really high quality artisanal products, all made right mm. here in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Maybe they use your beer to wash the rinds on some of them even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool idea, right? 
Great idea. Against the law, but great idea. Yeah. So as of, did you know that as of December 18th, yeah. um, as part of the beverage alcohol regulatory modernization in Ontario, <laughs> the AGCO yeah. has actually updated the list of items uh, that breweries and wineries are allowed to sell in their shops. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, lots of cool and fun opportunities for brewery retail store and winery retail stores to sort of change their their product mix um we were actually selling some items illegally that we didn't know we weren't even allowed to sell um and i think you'll find most breweries were selling illegals illegal items. yeah but we weren't even doing it to just be to be rebels i really love no. following rules so we thought we were following all the rules to a t um but i had a a little library in the brewery and i brought in uh i brought in a bunch of beer related books i had some of Jordan St. John's books and some other books um, on ourselves. And we would just resell them like as a, we're, we're a brewery retail store. You should be able to sell books about the history of beer in Toronto and Ontario. So mm -hmm. we were, we were doing so. And I learned just recently that that was actually not legal. So I'm glad yep. I didn't get called on it. I didn't need any other reasons to, to make the headline news about being bad, being bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly when you actually technically were as as convoluted and ridiculous as that is. Yeah, it's just nuts. Um, so yeah, the the updated list has been published recently, and and has it taken effect? Yeah, yeah, it like took effect immediately yeah, it, on December eight. Okay. I think it was December eighteenth. Yes, December eighteenth. And I it know was sometimes they announce those things, and then there's a a rollout phase or whatever. But yeah. Oh, well, sometimes they don't even announce new laws at all. A la the opening hours <laughs> that we accidentally discovered yeah. to our dismay yep um it's one of those things it's easy to dig at we are doing this now by the way we're just gonna have to edit it in that uh if you understand the spirit of the original rule it at least had some logic to it it's just they never updated it and so you get this ridiculous stupid law where you're like why is this still a law it's completely pointless but the bureaucratic wheels move so slowly stuff like that just takes forever to update and so it's good that we are doing it but it's ridiculous that they have taken this long to do it it's just it's the dumbest thing ever but hey happy days you can now sell uh beer infused soap if you want you Just about before. anything, as long as it meets the criteria of being, I guess, locally produced, mm -hmm. as in produced in the province of Ontario. Um, and then also products produced in limited quantities using traditional methods. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't sell G.I. Joe figures. Well, depends on who made them and where they you were made. You can't sell Mattel branded G.I. Joe figures. No, most no. likely not. Also, gift cards and certificates for the purchase of the manufacturer's goods and services. Goods and services is on the list. Is that new? Like, were we not allowed to sell gift cards before? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't, don't know, know about that. To be honest with you, that Just... might have been one of those situations where it doing so was operating outside of the law, which doesn't mean you're breaking it. It means you're doing something that the law never allowed for, because the law probably predates the existence of of gift cards. Of gift cards. So. It, it's it's not that you were doing something illegal. You were doing something that was never figured into the law. So I think you would be okay there. But we shouldn't get too carried away because if you were thinking, Chris, of opening up a small brewery yes. and 
really just doing it so that you could sell all kinds of wild artisanal locally made products and mm. that beer would just be like secondary right that would actually be contrary to the modern law because the modern law states that the amount of non-liquor products made available for sale at any one time does not constitute a substantial amount of all products made available for sale do they quantify the term substantial or is no. it just a completely useless definition fairly useless nice yeah so just don't sell too much of the other stuff the focus still needs to be on the alcohol it's always nice when they leave a law completely arbitrary like that. It's great. It's good for people planning businesses to be able to have quantifiable figures like substantial. <laughs> the whole thing is just hilarious. I can't even believe that this is a this is a thing. Again, the second thing we're talking about today. Lump it into the How are we even having this conversation? It's so bizarre. Yeah, it's insane. I think it's funny that you didn't know that. That's yeah. Didn't know that the... That you couldn't sell... Books? Yeah, like... Yeah, all sorts of stuff that most breweries participate in selling. I knew that there was a list, but it seemed so specific that I kind of just disregarded it, which sounds terrible. And I'm not one to not follow the rules, but the list included literal... The old list included literal items. T-shirts, hats, bottle openers. yeah. Uh, carriers. Yeah, buttons and stickers. Yeah, and that's like... List, but very specific items. Coasters. Like, that. that's it. Like, they have to be those specific items or nothing else. And I was like, well, whatever. If I want to sell a replica baseball bat, I will. If I want to sell a book for scorekeeping the baseball game, I will. Just because it's you not really? a... Do you sell branded scorekeeping books? No, but I, I'd like to. There's a brand that I really like. Uh, they're all handmade. These beautiful score score books by this uh, this lady in Georgia, and I own one, and I, I love them. They're just beautiful. So I like to bring in some on consignment this year. I'm working with her on that, and there's some other beautiful baseball products from throughout uh, throughout North America that are absolutely gorgeous products. They're all handmade by very small operations. Um, so I'm looking to bring some of that stuff in. And now I'm allowed to do it, which is wonderful. Happy days. Actually, no, many of them are not made in Ontario, so I might get called on it. So if you're the AGCO police and you're listening to this, well, you should watch out for me and my brewery, because I may have things from Georgia and Texas I in wonder my store. if the book was made, but then you had it printed in Ontario, if that's enough. This was made in Ontario. Because uh, certainly no, the, the paper's not be being pulped in Ontario, like... Mm -hmm. I don't know. What makes these items beautiful is that they're handmade. Like the the scorekeeping books are uh, embossed by hand. Like the cover of them is is hand embossed. And uh -oh. anyway, I'm getting way too into the weeds here. But I I will sell those things. They are very specifically related to my brand. So we'll, <laughs> if someone wants to talk to me about it, they can. Fierce. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure we all know what we got coming up. Nothing much just changed. Roundhouse Craft Beer Festival coming up this weekend. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to be there. And then I'm going to the Marley's game with my little dude, Ben. That'll be fun. What happened to Burlington? Well, at Burlington Beer Festival, I haven't, just haven't gotten there yet. I'm not going to that. We, we discussed that last time. I, I couldn't oh, make yeah, it work, sorry. but uh, that's all right. You know, it's fine. It's, it's, it looks like a good festival. It's just, it's a bit hard. Geographically, it's not the easiest thing for me to deal with, so... So that's fine. And um, yeah, only Craft Beer Festival the following weekend. That's February, I think, 4th, 5th, 5th, 6th, something like that. 
that's going to be fantastic. Um, and Mandy has a bunch of really cool little uh, quirky events at the brewery. Is that right? We do. And the, uh, the list is growing. There are some that are yet to be announced, but they'll be taking place through February and March. Uh, we have all kinds of stuff on the radar, including a celebration around uh, some special anniversaries of ours. So nice. Have a new beer coming and uh, actually a couple new beers coming and some events relating to that. So looking forward to it. Cool. I got two uh, style related videos in uh, post right now, working them up. Recording at Reinhardt tomorrow. Excited about that. Very nice. And uh, I'm actually looking. We're going to Feb or at the end of February. We're going down to Florida, uh, to Naples. And there's two breweries right in Naples. I'm going to try and line up uh, some interviews with them and do uh, a couple of American breweries, which should be well. I've already done one. I've done Community Beer Works, but do some out of Florida and just really cast that net wide. So pretty excited about all that. That's awesome. Can you share the names of any of the breweries you're seeing? I only just recently looked them up. I feel like it was Riptide Brewing and like, I think it's called the Naples Brewery. So yeah, pretty exciting. So that and I'm going to Florida. See you suckers later. But that's a while yet. So can't can't get too excited yet. Got six more weeks of winter before we head to the sunny south. So so yeah, that's uh, that's it. Kids, thanks for listening. We'll uh, talk to you in about two weeks. Have a good night, Mandy. Night.